0: Welcome to the podcast is dedicated to making you a faster cyclist, the ask a cycling coach podcast presented by trainer road. I'm coach Jonathan Lee with our head coach, Chad Timmerman. All right, buddy. Our CEO, Nate Pearson. Hello. Back from Boston and New York. Back. Back. And we are going to answer more of your cycling and triathlon related questions today. You can submit them at trainerroadcom slash podcast. You can join us live as well on Facebook or YouTube. We usually record every Thursday at 8am Pacific. Uh, that changes at times, but we'll try to let you know when that changes and you can just find us on our Facebook or YouTube, YouTube pages. Uh, also something I realized I haven't mentioned, and it's kind of been going on for like, you know, two months, but, uh, we're on Spotify too. So if you want to listen to the podcast on Spotify, you can do that as well. Uh, Is that a
1: good podcast app, Spotify?
0: I don't like it as much because like a, a specific podcast app, I'd say that my favorite, I like Pocket Casts or like one of the derivative ones that isn't just iTunes or the Google Play one, because uh, it's you can have really cool features like um, you know you can have like skip ahead be thirty seconds, skip back be fifty seconds, or zero because you're listening to us, or you can do skip ahead zero, skip ahead zero, <laughs> skip or ahead skip. zero. exactly, <laughs> um, or and you can do like a bunch of different things like that and subscribe and it's a little easier, but whatever uh, you can listen to it on whatever platform you want. Um, I guess with that uh, we've all so we've we've have a number of things that we need to catch up on. Okay. Okay. Can we start off with Chad? Yeah. But I
1: just want to tease something. So everyone (laughs) stays on. Yeah. There was a time trial that happened and we're (laughs) going to cover that. It's going to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But first, great depth. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You were were sharing something that I kind of just wanted to bring full circle.
2: Um, did not, not that anyone's paying that close of attention but for a long time i was plagued with back issues and and especially in the longer rides but even in the shorter ones so like we did that Merckx time trial and i had to come out of position a lot and that was my excuse for not doing well <laughs> and 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 we we actually have one of those coming up next week so this will will kind of drive that home but i attributed it to a number of things because i didn't know what it was and i tried you know addressing the actual back issue just um man a whole number of things slight fit modifications and whatnot Came down to, and this is definitively what it was: is I was using a suede saddle or a dip saddle, or I guess they call yeah. it a wave saddle, where yeah. where the nose and the and the and the tail of the saddle are one height, and then there's a substantial dip in the middle to accommodate really an anterior tilt. We go to the the, the velodrome. I find out I'm very much a posterior tilt, more, more toward neutral sort of rider, and I need a flat saddle. Change back to the saddle that I've used over all these years, Physique, Physique Ariane, which is a dead flat saddle. No pain. I mean, I've been doing really? four, five hour rides, five and a half hour rides, Uh-oh. rides in arrow. <laughs> I've, I've, I've changed Such my track. stack height T-T-T- on my TT bike. I've changed my stack height on my road bike. Everything is resolved, and it came down to that one simple tweak: flat saddle versus a wave saddle. Are you using that saddle on your TT bike too? No, but I am using. Well, I am. It's it's the it's basically the area on with the nose chopped off. Whatever okay. the name of that. Yeah, I can't remember what the name is, is but yes, it's, it's a, the same thing. It's a flat saddle. I just described. ride. Right up at the, on the nose of that, but it is a flat surface for me to situate my pelvis on.
1: It's crazy how unique it is, because you've just been using the Pro Logo. Pro Logo Dimension. Uh-huh, and you yeah. love it.
0: Oh, it's so good.
1: And it's like the Specialized Power, where it's got the cutout. Yep. Right?
0: Yeah, and it's like a shorter saddle, snub, or kind of, it's not a snub nose like a tri-saddle, but it's it's a short saddle. Yeah. Um, and... Oh, it's like, a, and so in criteriums and everything else, where you're really having to wind it up and then like wind it up constantly. A lot of the time, you end up your your pelvis in those efforts. You end up rolling a little bit further forward. Everybody does, yeah. Yep, everyone yeah. does. And a lot of the time, at the end of like a criterium, I'll be like, oh, I'm 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 sore the next day, yeah. um, and in on all the bad spots in the perineum and. I have found that with that saddle, I have no issues with that. I'm well planted. I like a really stiff saddle that has to have like a relief channel in, in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like it's very individual. Well,
2: yeah, I mean, this, this basically forces me to retract my statement that any saddle can work for any rider if you position your pelvis properly on it. Mm-hmm. I think with the caveat that first, you have the properly shaped saddle. And, and and I mean properly, not not shape, not not as the overall saddle design, but just that dip in the middle versus a flat middle. Mm. It, it really is far more pivotal than I ever gave it credit. The pro lo- logos too are good pricing. Yeah, relatively the, relatively speaking yeah I, it's all it's relative and like the,
0: the car yeah the carbon one that i have is like uh it's 160 grams so it's a feathery feathery light saddle and i think that they're like 165 i could be wrong check it out there are a bunch of different prices online but they're they're also extremely hard to get though because i don't think they made enough and now you can't it's get a
2: them. good looking saddle but is it wearing poorly yeah.
0: So the graphics are wearing poorly, uh, but just, the saddle itself seems to be doing um, just fine. You know, nobody, um, who cares about that. Yeah. 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 So, but it's, it's to, to your point though, I see a lot of people, um, just going with the saddle because that that's what they, somebody else has told them what they need mm. it really does take some experimentation. And I've personally found that Saddles with a dip in them don't work
1: for me either. Oh, they destroy me.
0: I know other people that saddles with a dip in them are like almost mandatory for them
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it works for them. There's a new rider here who's experimenting with saddles and he's using the cutout ones and he used the Pro Logo and the tope and some other ones mm-hmm. and he's getting numbness. Yeah, like, so now,
2: like legit numbness, not like, just end of long yeah. ride numbness, but yes, 20, 20 minutes scary. scary. Like yeah. enough that
0: it stopped him in the middle of a crit.
1: <laughs> so uh, we, yeah. we've told him he's going to try next some flat. He's actually, I have a physique Antares mm. that he's going to try. I don't know, you, Yeah. yeah, yeah it's the, the and for side. what it's worth, yeah.
2: the Zeke site does offer a really good. They did, I think they spent two or three years researching these three different shapes of saddle, or they, they narrowed it down to three different mm-hmm. shapes of saddles. Mm-hmm. And they use animals associated with, you know, the, the, basically your level of flexibility
0: chameleon, bull, and snake, I think, right? That's Something it. Like that? That's yeah. it. Exactly. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. And what are you, Chad? It's informative. What's <laughs> your spirit animal? Anyway? I'm a snake, but basically, <laughs> I'm, a snake? I'm not, that's not my spirit animal. <laughs> I'm a very flexible rider, so I can position my pelvis where I want it to be. Okay.
0: Yeah, I've never heard anybody describe their spirit animal. As a snake and be a good person, right? He's Um, a Slytherin. Slytherin. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, And it's, it's really just a matter of like, you know, where you hold your pelvis It's not just, I guess the width of the saddle. It's not just the cutout, anything else like that, but a lot of it has to do with that shape. If you look at it sideways, is it dipping or what the angle is?
1: I think every like city that has cyclists needs like a nonprofit where everyone just gives a bunch of saddles that they don't like mm. and you can rent them out like a library yeah, well, be until you awesome. find one and then you can buy it because better, it's better so expensive. bike shops do that. Yeah, you're right. They do. And they'll have fit kits and stuff. Uh-huh. We're lucky here because we have so many cyclists that we can borrow from each other. Yeah. But uh-huh. if you don't have like... That kind of environment or those bike shops, it can get so expensive because you just guess. You oh, say, yes, "Hey, this works for Jonathan," but totally. definitely, like the tope used to work for you. Yeah, that was the worst saddle I've ever been on. It was mm-hmm. it, like ten seconds. I was like, "Oh!" And then I they changed.
0: <clears throat> they changed it. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing too. Like uh, they say that, like once you find one saddle, a lot of people buy just 10. buy a bunch of them and then save them up. And they they changed the tope, and man, I, I so. I used to hate it, then I liked it, and then they changed it again, and I don't like it.
2: So it's it's always- You can be able to do that. They should have to bring out a whole new model if they want
1: to make changes. Right. Don't, oh, do, yeah, do, exactly. Runners, right. they do that every year. Oh, They'll yeah. They'll be like, like their eh. shoes? this shoe version 14. And everyone goes, 13 was great. <laughs> yeah. It's I, I crazy. think
0: my Mizuno Wave Riders are version 14. And it's just crazy to me that they have <laughs> 14 yeah. versions of it. But um, perfect. Okay. So uh, does that, I guess, cover the saddle? Yeah. yeah that's, that's all I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the only downside to keep in mind is if you have a lot of bikes and you find a saddle you like, get ready for a big saddle bill.
1: So
0: I bought four of those saddles. So. i
1: find oh. two, though. I'd ride uh, bikes differently. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get different saddles that you yep. like for different bikes. No, that's yeah. true. And I actually have a like a saddle I like for indoor riding, that yeah. uh, for the bike that I use indoors, mm-hmm. different than outdoor. And that's, that's probably not um, common. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but for uh, like for like a two hour ride, I find that the power works really well. But okay. outside, I like the uh, the Phenom. The specialized phenom, yeah. Yeah. I don't know
0: why. Interesting. I mean, yeah, It's the thing is, really, a lot of it depends on riding style, too. Some people are very stable. Like, you're extremely stable. You don't move around on the bike. Like, your pelvis is anchored. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I move fore
2: aft a lot, but my my hips side to side. And And
0: if anybody feels like, uh, you know, well, I'm anchored on my sit bones. Like, what I'm really talking about is, like, the pelvic movement is just very minimal, while some riders have a whole lot of pelvic movement. Mm -hmm. So, uh, man, so many factors go into it uh, and test and try them out. Uh, Nate, you just got back from uh, Boston Marathon. You didn't run it. Your I wife didn't. did. Um,
1: yeah. Kudos to your wife. She did. So she, and <clears throat> those so, of you who don't so know, it. it had record cold temperatures, oh, so miserable. much <laughs> rain, so much rain, and then it's a point-to-point race, and they had like a 25, 30-mile-per-hour headwind. Oh. The, all the, the the American um, uh, woman won the, won the race, first time since like the 80s, yeah. Yeah, the cool. Kenyans like, the african like top runners dropped out. Yeah, um crazy. a japanese uh runner r- won the the men's race, which is also mm. not typical for the boston <laughs> yeah. marathon. I'm um, just spectating. I was outside for maybe 10 minutes. My my daughter was crying because <laughs> yeah. it was just, just the rain. I got my all the way down to my underwear was wet. Oh my like, gosh,
0: that you know, I had an umbrella
1: and a jacket wow. and jeans and stuff and my underwear was wet. That's a tough. Anyways, day. that was really hard. Um the thing that I want to talk about is, Chad, I'm, I'm back now, and uh, I might be on Team but Chad. Are, but are
0: you back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not
1: quite back. So He left his fitness in Boston. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what this, what's going on. So I took a week off, and I'm mention this because this probably has happened to other people too. A week off while I was there, and I kind of came in with a lot of stress thinking, hey, I'm going to come back, I'm going to bounce back and be strong. A lot strong. of training stress. Yeah, training stress. And... um. It was a busy trip, and we went to New York and, like, walked around every day. Mm. But I'm back now. First workout I did on the TT bike, I failed. I couldn't finish it. And it wasn't something that I I, I, I thought, like, based on the last workout that I did before I left, I should have been able to finish this. Mm-hmm. Then I did a uh, – what did we do two days? Uh, man. Oh, I did another TT ride outside. Yeah. It was hard still. And then yesterday we went on a mountain bike ride. And just to give you an example um, – <laughs> This was – we did 10 minutes, and uh, Jonathan was pushing the pace, and another guy here who was super fast. And I thought my power meter was wrong, but – that means all my power meters and all my bikes are wrong.
0: <laughs> I do that at times too. <laughs> I think they're all wrong.
1: <laughs> but so I'm using front. our new performance analytics tool, which is launching very, very soon. And uh, I'm looking at the season. I have like a mountain bike 2018 season for my personal records. And for that season, I, for 10 minutes, I did 388 watts. That's, that's, that's your that's, PR. That's my PR. I did that in February. Okay. It was at sea level. This one for 10 minutes, and I was gassed for 10 minutes. I did 267 watts.
0: That's a big difference. That's
1: 100 and our our tool shows it. That's yeah. a hundred and twenty-two watt drop, mm-hmm. Chad.
2: <laughs> yeah, for what felt just as
1: difficult. Yeah, yeah. And that, it was close. I mean, this is probably like a ninety-five percent effort. But you'd think at a hundred watts less than your ten-minute PR. Yeah, and be we two months one, later,
0: we wouldn't expect one. more than what six, eight percent, possibly. I, it varies person to person Whatever. for elevation. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be
2: much. Wouldn't be that much.
1: No. not a, not a. This is like a third. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but you tell us
2: too that you're not. Obviously, experiencing some level of too far overreaching because you're no, feeling pretty good in every feel, other respect.
1: Yeah, I feel great. My legs felt great. I just couldn't like breathe, and mm-hmm. I I got that that feeling where when you go to deep, and it's not your legs that stop you, your arms start to go numb. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. yeah like, a row like, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: we just reasoned this uh, just a few minutes ago because as we were kicking this around because we all realized that we're all suffering similar uh, sort of sort of issues, and we're probably nailing it down to allergies. I mean, it sounds like a cop-out, but but if you can't get enough air, your muscles feel good, you just can't breathe. You're sitting up. I mean, Dave, during the time trial, had a mini panic attack because he just couldn't get air. Yeah. And this is a seasoned writer who's done time trials, who's buried himself, put himself in a bad spot, knows how to claw his way back. Yeah. A, stuff's happening that's making us think, well, maybe it is something that's that, that we're not looking at, and in particular allergies. Yeah, and
0: it's a particularly bad allergy season right now.
2: And I've heard other people at, at each of these two races, the time trial on the Criterium uh, two nights ago, talking about the same thing. I just can't get air. I just can't get air. It's so hard. Why is it so hard?
1: I, I contributed that to changing from sea level to... This, but that probably makes more sense. Yeah, I am. I have extremely bad allergies. I've done two <laughs> rounds of allergy shots. When they gave you the drops, right? Yeah. So I, I tried doing. I did allergy shots for a while, and I should probably try those again. But I did um, drops, which are like drops that you put in your mouth, and that is also supposed to act like allergy shots. Mm. You go through three bottles: a green, a yellow, and a red. And the red's like the maintenance dose of five drops, and you start with green, one drop, go up to five, yellow one, go up yeah. five. Okay. I got to drop, I think two or three on the green and a rash all out through my body. <laughs> so then I tried one drop a day for like five days yeah. to try yeah. to really go slow. Rash that's everywhere. Oh yeah. man. As soon as I got off the plane too, from New York, cause we have a lot, there's a lot, you know, there's no plants in New York city really, but
2: yeah.
1: just allergies. So, yeah, so you're
2: getting wrecked by allergies. You, yeah. We didn't even talk about this. So
1: now I'm really leaning toward that, that reason. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, what ah, so hmm, what do I do? <laughs> I don't know. I think Wiggins did something, <laughs>
2: right? <Yeah. laughs> yes. Shake your hand defiantly at Mother Nature. I mean, there's, there's not much you can do about yeah, it, it's, and it's a bummer. I mean, train indoors. Try to try to limit your exposure to yeah. these uh, allergens, but yeah. where am I? Even, outside of that.
1: There's uh, two Allegra and a Claritin every day I take, yeah, that's... and I still get pretty bad. Hmm. You guys can actually – sometimes when I talk for a while, I get mucusy. Yeah, um, yeah, right. in like meetings and stuff. And then it's, it's really gross. Every one I <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: Yeah, it's, it makes sense. And it's something that if you're suffering symptoms like this, we're not saying that allergies is some type of cop out excuse. What we're saying is you have to analyze the things that are affecting your performance. And this is absolutely. Yeah. When you can't like, attribute it to yes. something
2: that's, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and we can't until we've stumbled on this this morning. Like I said, it's what I'm leaning toward right now. I can't say definitively that's the issue, but it yeah. sure seems a, like
1: it. I go to the allergist and they do, um, a back prick test. So what they'll do is it's kind of uncomfortable, but they'll, they'll, um, prick your back like 40 times and put allergens directly onto your skin. Yeah. And, uh, when I did it before the nurse was like, she, they go away and they come back and they're supposed to wait 30 minutes. She comes back, checks me in five minutes. She's like, okay, <laughs> never mind. She like wipes off a third of it because it's they, it, they measure how it's big angry. the, the thing gets, yeah, and I'm already over how big she ever measures it. Just wow. like I don't know, but I'm allergic to trees, grass, and sagebrush. And for people to know,
2: <laughs> you were built for the indoors,
1: man. <laughs> I know, but just so people should know this about allergies, is that everyone has its own season. Yeah, so yeah, totally. springtime mm-hmm. is uh, trees, and then the summer is grass, yep. and then the fall is sagebrush. Sage. And sagebrush actually gets me the worst. Mm-hmm. But that's why some people like. You might only be allergic to one of those, yeah. and when everyone has allergies in the summer, you might be fine. Mm-hmm. And if I get the trees and the grass backwards, I'm sorry, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it goes spring then summer. Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, if I was trying to cause throw a cat amongst the pigeons for the team Chad, team Nate, team Jonathan thing. I might say that it's just that you've peaked and now you've, you've hit that peak and you've dropped down. Yeah. I'd, I'd I, love to but I don't, I don't call you a January anything. hero, but <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's what's going on. You'd, real, Precipitous you'd,
2: the and and you would feel yeah. like crazy, crazy fatigue in all aspects of your
0: that's life.
1: That's the other thing. You'd be crabby. I mean, th- there would be other indications of the fact yeah. that you're just tired. And in Hawaii, I did good power. Exactly. And that has very different uh, plants than here.
0: Yeah,
2: totally. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Hmm. all right so interesting stuff we should have the 40k tt someplace else
2: yeah (laughs) and and one thing we haven't addressed yet and this is a minor point i think in this context is that uh just because it's vacation it doesn't mean it's stress-free oh yeah and even the walking around that's not restful that's not that's not legitimate recovery that's not legs up people carrying you upstairs sort of nonsense that's that's still physical stress yeah exactly and emotional and, and psychological whatever
1: so i thought i was going to come back fresher than i really was because i was pretty much walking you know 10 miles a day or something watching your
2: wife do a marathon in horrible conditions That's tending to rest. a couple of children trying to train did you do any training no oh, okay yeah. so but either way still stressful in other ways and i ate horribly i mean i ate wonderfully but horribly <laughs> <laughs> <In a term laughs> yeah. Of satisfied yeah yeah, yeah not Robert. good
0: okay yeah um uh one thing that I wanted to share w- about really quick is uh it's become like an annual tradition for a handful of folks and I mm-hmm. to ride Cause Sea Otter just happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't race once at Sea Otter this year. That was weird. That was um, weird. Yeah, um and this is why uh we did so it's like a tradition that we ride from San Francisco down to Sea Otter. It's like 130 140 miles depending on the routes you take and uh beautiful coastal roads but then when you go with a guy like Yuri Oswald, he's like a dirty Kansas champ and everything else and he knows that region so well. Hmm. It was like being on this amazing tour guide we were just going on these closed roads that nobody knows about that are like basically like forgotten that like parallel the coastline and spots and just awesome riding but uh, the fueling I've I am feel like I'm pretty excited about finally having nutrition, maybe down we'll see. But right now I would say that I'm, I'm in a good spot with it. That Maurten 10 stuff or Martin M a U R T E N. it's the stuff that the, the story is that they developed it during the Nike two hour project. I think the going for the under two hour marathon deal, um, it's like extremely carbohydrate dense and you just put it in with your water. The taste is like minimal. I would say mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it. Like <laughs> How if anything, dense is. Yeah. I think it's yeah. like 90 grams of carbohydrate in a bottle. Yeah,
2: that's a um,
0: lot. so it's a lot that's of them. That sounds yeah. like something I'd like. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is it almost tastes like if you took like a vanilla root and you just like drug it through your water, like that's like it. Like it, a strong taste. taste. Yeah. There's nothing chemically at all. Have you tried it?
2: I have not. No, i, I got you some. gave
0: me one, but I can't find it. I'll give you another. Fair. I have, a, yeah, I have a handful of them. So, um, but there it's, it's awesome. It doesn't mess up my stomach. It doesn't feel like it's a replacement for food. All across the board on the bike. For runners, it totally makes sense why you would want to use this because it's a good amount of fuel mm. and it's really easy to digest, right? Because running and you're jostling around. It'd be one
2: of those things when you get late in a race or an effort where you just can't tolerate or you can't even contemplate the idea yeah. of, of, phys- of uh, solid food and yeah. chewing it and getting it down. That could be a Good solution to that situation. It feels,
0: it feels like it raises the tide, so to speak, so that I don't go through those crazy peaks and valleys with fueling. Like yeah. it kind of like just makes it so that I'm.
2: I get that with the Ucan the yeah, superstarch, yeah. starch, mm-hmm. same thing. It's more even. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah it's pretty cool. And then uh, the science and sports stuff there, gels and everything else like that, it, which we discovered something crazy here. But it doesn't mess up my stomach at all, which is so hard to find. Like yeah. I could I could swallow air and it'll mess up my stomach practically. So I'm a
2: very big fan of their products. The only thing I I tried out their bars this weekend and. No. I don't want to say it's, it's preference. I just don't like the taste of them. Not big yeah. on medicinal flavors. I like their gels more than that. And and once again, it's a gel. Gels are fantastic. It's still a gel,
0: um, but it's super lightweight, and you don't have to like or, or the viscosity is low, so you can just Tonic,
2: Yeah, it's, there's just no gut distress whatsoever with those. Yeah,
0: I just <laughs> yeah, crazy. Of all people. I still, you could you could pra- practically eat stroganoff and like sausage meat lovers
2: pizza on a bike, and you'd be fine. that's real. That sounds good. At the velodrome, you ate an, an enormous amount of Thai food. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it was really and good. Track. But uh I still kind of even though it gives me a little bit of cramping, I still kind of like it for mountain biking cuz it's so easy to get down. Yeah. for a yeah. race. Yeah. Um Fauna, what you're about to do? Yeah. That would be cool, but I think I might try this Mar- Martin. Martin. Yeah. I should try it maybe on a long ride, but cuz I like the idea for a gravel race when there's not going to be a lot of time to like reach in your pa- back and like chew yeah. something down to just drink it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's super handy. And the taste is so minimal that it like a lot of the time, like even with scratch, I feel like I need a bottle of mix and a bottle of water because sometimes you just need that different taste, like just to have Mm -hmm. clear water rather than having something, but
2: you could have put this in both your bottles and it's. Palate, palate fatigue. You just get tired of eating that same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. These companies should pay us.
0: Oh, they totally should. (laughs) When we like it. Yeah. But, send it for free guys. Yeah, that way right? I can try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it, like in the end, the reason that I'm sharing this stuff too, is because uh, a lot of people ask about nutrition and it's super individual. It's like so saddles. This is, yep. This is me sharing. This is like a N like equals that. one, right? Like this, this works for me, but, uh, perhaps if you have a similar scenario and you want to try something, maybe this. Yeah, can and, something and for can all try. our
2: differences, we have a ton of similarities. So yeah. Yeah. Luckily
1: with nutrition, it's way cheaper than saddles to yes. like yeah. to experiment. Totally. But, Experiment.
2: The the last thing I want to cover on that ride is so last
0: year we did it with like 30 people and it was for like a a charity event for chef cycle. And it was a, it was a, like a big, we had Andrew Tulansky and when he was still pro cyclist and Ted King. Who was just a diesel. And then we had people that were like really relatively new on bikes and that made for a really slow day, but it also made it for a really kind of a terrible day for the people in the back, even though it wasn't that fast of a pace. It's just, we have that. Nice for them, Yeah. Um, and it also, then a lot of those people don't know how to pace. So then like we get to a climb and they'd be like Strava and like, you know, like yeah. go for a KOM and it's like, it's hurting a lot of other people but we had uh we had really good riders chris lyman who that an, an incredible time trialist and road cyclist we had so ben, he's never done a sub 40 or anything I, above a 49 is that right I think so yeah 40k tt at satley crazy fast. fast that's really fast um, that's and then really fast. he's he's no longer a time trialist but still incredibly fit and he's going for dirty Kanza. and then we had ben delaney who you've probably seen him on bike radar uh the incredibly fit and fast rider and then yuri oswald like Dirty Kanza winner, like really fast guy. So just the four of you. Just the four of us. And when and all, Jonathan Lee. Yeah. <laughs> and all four of us since we're, you know, we, we could ride at a similar level. It was also, it's so nice when you're riding with a group like that and they don't hammer it on the climbs. Like we all have like built-in power meters. We're watching our watts, but we know that like mm-hmm. when you get on the climb, you don't go as hard as you think. Yeah, I think you we know? touched on this last week.
1: Yeah. Uh, everyone really- was... uh be nice to Jonathan pretty well. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe that's I mean, it, right? I mean,
1: Chris yeah. Lyman and Yuri uh, uh, oh, And Ben, they're and all ben. gnarly. Yeah, right? Like yeah, exactly. Hammers. Yeah, yeah, real big hammers.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, but it was it was just a, when you put together a big group like that, it, as fun as it might be to have a huge group, and maybe that's the objective just to have that, uh, keep in mind, if you have people that are the same mindset or similar fitness levels, everything else, it just makes the ride so, like it did not feel like 130 miles. It just felt like, yeah. it felt like 60 miles, like hmm. easy, you know? So kind of cool stuff, um, and then I guess uh, moving on. Nate, this is your time to yeah, shine okay.
1: now. Okay, everyone, this is <laughs> we buried the lead last time after we finished. We didn't re- we forgot to mention true story. There was a time trial that happened last Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I was out of town, but we got the first taste of the showdown between Chad. And Jonathan, yes. Uh, So
0: and and uh, other folks here at Trainer Road, yeah. But who cares about them? (laughs) (laughs) They're good to measure, but Dave's
2: a good basis for comparison because he's he's very. Because he pretty much
1: wins every time. Yeah, but. It's not a race between you guys and Dave, because Dave's going to beat us anyways. Yeah, I think the, so. <laughs>
2: I'm feeling a bit differently about Ooh. that. We'll oh, we'll okay. okay. Yeah. So
1: let's. this is a Tuesday night race series we have in Reno. This is a seven-mile time trial? 7.8 miles. 7.8. It's a shorty. Yep. yep. And it starts with a little bit of a downhill, a flat section. Um, Very flat. Two, like, um, little kicker uphills, another downhill, and then it goes back up at the finish. Mm-hmm. One thing that makes um, times of this one change – is that uh, because it always happens in the evening on Tuesdays and the sun goes down and it's in this bowl, the wind conditions can change. And this can be a crosswind, a headwind. It can be a very fast day. It's a so, particularly
0: windy place yep. too. Ugh, mm-hmm. And sometimes having a
1: lot of wind makes you really fast And some because there's a, there's a section where you get to go in the trees. So if you get a tailwind on the open section, you can get kind of sheltered on the way back. Mm-hmm. So we can't compare this to like previous years and stuff, but we can compare it to each other and you you, I mean, you two guys, mm-hmm. and then the other fast riders that were there, like Pete and Dave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Pete Morris from Cliff Bar and Dave Christensen from Mark Pro. <clears throat> yes. Okay, so, so should we talk about, um, I don't want to say the results justly yet. Let's start with Jonathan. Yeah,
0: yeah, let's do that.
1: Jonathan, this was your actual first time trial on a TT bike.
0: Yeah, and I've only done a time trial on a road bike before, and to be, to be frank, I've told you guys to hop off the Team Jonathan train before this, like I wasn't, I, about that. I wasn't optimistic going into this at all, but I just figured I'm going to give it my, my all. And I didn't know it wasn't pessimism going and I just didn't, the numbers and it's everything time else weren't and looking good.
2: No basis for comparison, nothing to yep. gauge.
0: And, uh, uh, can we go over what I had really quick on the equipment first? Sure. Okay. So I had the POC, uh, Cerebell helmet, that's their TT helmet. Um, something that I found out with that helmet and I was told by the reps, if you buy that helmet and you see a little gap between the visor and the helmet, which mine did have a little bit of a gap. Uh, some of them, I believe that like, you just have to push harder up there. And then I don't know if it's like a casting thing with the foam or something else, but once I pushed harder on there, then it like moved into place oh, and now
1: it just goes in easily. I bet you that's a lot of drag. Cause you it's might think be. that it's, like it's a, a leading edge vent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you want it closed.
0: Yep. So you just push it a little more then you'll see it fits really flush. So, uh, that helmet, and then I was wearing our no pin skin suits, mm-hmm. uh, or I guess TT suits, aero suits. Yeah, those things are great. Yeah, very good. And then uh, I was also wearing gloves this time. Uh, the reason that I wore the gloves was because I was so cold. Um, yeah, it was they dread, weren't full dreadfully finger, cold. but it was something uh, on there. So I was just, uh, anything was better than nothing at that point. And then I had the BioRacer uh, shoes. I was using the uh, track Speed concept, obviously, that we have. And then we had the Vittoria Corsa Speed G+. Plus tubeless tires at 25s, uh, 25 is the width. And we were, I was on an NV seven front wheel from the seven eights. And in the back wheel, I had a special thing that we'll talk about so at some you point.
2: you had your so. entire race set up then, right?
0: Full on race set up. Besides the
1: gloves.
2: Maybe the gloves would be the gloves, only thing I remove. That's yep. the only thing. And you <laughs> <laughs> even, you even uh, waxed your chain, right?
0: <laughs> oh yes, I did wax the chain. Very good point. Yes, yeah,
2: so you were yeah. completely set
0: up. Race set up. And I had a 53, 39 chain ring. I moved up to that <clears throat> because I hear that's what time trialists do.
1: And actually, well, yeah. So for oh, no, there things. is a reason that we because I actually yeah. have a bigger chain ring too. Uh, for this kind of time trial where there's a little downhills, they're not that like three percent, four percent. Sometimes you do use the. Uh, I went forty two miles an hour, but you're still pedaling. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, but in yeah, the like one hundred and thirty RPM when we yeah. do the flat race, mm-hmm. um, you actually want a, a straight, as you're racing, straight you, as possible. a straight chain line. So between your front chain ring and your rear chain ring, you don't want to be in like the 11 because then it's twisted. And mm-hmm. this sounds small. It's just like a watt. But because we have this sort of time trial we know here, um, there's another time trial. That's a cold springs time trial up here that has a similar kind of downhill section that you need to pedal. Yep. Or you might get a tailwind where you're going like 35.
0: Not as severe like, as this one, but yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 40 for some, like Chad.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, jeez, Chad. The one up, <laughs> it's, it's, us there's, on a, that there's one. a fast <laughs>
2: stretch there. No, it's, it's sometimes <laughs> very fast. Yeah.
1: That uh, Just a quick side note. I remember back in like 2008, 2009, me going as hard as I can and full TT setup on that, and Chad coming by me on a road bike with like his head up in the drops and just, <laughs> hi, Nate. And just woo, right by me. Uh, that was when that was in your glory that was days. Very good shape. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very good shape. Um, anyway, so that's why we, we pick that. And mm-hmm. if you're really going for like, we needed to get a, some kind of chain ring. Yep. So why not just get the one that we can get the straight sure. chain line? Yeah. Yep.
2: And we know on on a flat course like that, we're probably going to use three, maybe four gears, probably be maybe one in yeah. P- potentially yeah. one gear. I mean, yeah. once okay. we get rolling,
0: I have not changed my position from the village that we tested at. It's the same. Uh, the only, the only thing, well,
1: you're kind of excited. <laughs> World-class CDA. Uh, yeah.
0: The one thing <laughs> yeah, that I did is, um, <laughs> so, so is I, I kept my hands stacked. If you're watching on the live stream right now, you can see, I basically just, um, I do like double Shaka. And then I just hook my fingers, the outer fingers around my bars. And that proved to be like faster by a few watts. And also I found that it really helps my stability because it stops me from being too handsy or put too much leverage on my bars. Mm-hmm. And it focuses more weight into my pelvis and then a little bit into my elbows. And
1: I can't do that without so. crashing. I could do it on the trainer, but I <laughs> yeah. try outside and it's because I can't, my bars are so short, short. I, I oh, feel like yeah. I should just forget about the UCI rules because I feel dangerous. I have, yeah. I have nothing to grab onto. Yeah. Right. Like, uh,
0: yeah, your arms are so long.
1: Yeah. It's anyway, arms. that's another story. Let's talk about, now pacing mm. because you did the classic thing not to go out too hard so for the rookie for the the race and let's say it's a I don't want to well I'll say the, the I'll say your time yeah, your, yeah. what was your time uh,
0: my time was 1726
1: 1726 so let's not mm-hmm. say results but for your 1726 mm-hmm. your normalized was 260
0: and uh-huh. my average was 255 so still not that big of a difference Yep. um between the two of them especially once again remember this isn't a pan flat course it's got some hills and even yeah, looking know, at so. best bike split it recommends that you go since it's a shorter race i think it recommends that you go pretty dang hard on those
2: climbs you kind of have to well yeah. above short KTs, you got to go,
1: go one fast. thing it doesn't recommend is to start out really hard so for jonathan's <laughs> first minute he did 360 watts yeah, so he's, a little his high. np for the race was 260 and for the first minute he did 360 <laughs> and that's part of that is um a downhill. So, yeah, there's It's, there's, like you were it's a little tricky.
0: Yeah. So, like, there's one aspect that it's, it's, so, Best Bike Split actually says that it's not favorable to go out harder on that first section um, in my mind. And so first of all, there was no strategy behind going out hard at first. Like I was freezing cold and standing in the sun, like a quarter mile away from the start, just trying to stay warm. And then I basically rolled up to the point where like I stopped for about 15 seconds and then moved into position. And then they counted me down and I went and I was not in the right headspace. I wasn't thinking this is a TT. I was just like, this is a bike race. I'm going to go and silly mountain biker. This is how you start mountain bike races. Yeah. So, but that said, so I went out hard, and I figured, hey, I've got a lot of momentum for this long, fast straight. So I guess there's a, a, a bit of a perk there. I would have gotten up to speed anyway, though. Didn't have exactly. to go that
1: hard. I, in my mind, um, I would think that you could save a, a pretty. You, you paced the rest of it actually really well.
2: He you, reeled it back in.
1: Yeah, actually. but I think you could have um, gone even faster if you would have paced just a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I think that. So like, uh, basically, I went out too hard, and I recognize that. So then I just slowly started taking it down. I didn't like instantly drop it down to the pace I wanted, but I just started dropping the pace down down to where I knew that uh I was I I figured I should shoot for 260 in the flat sections cuz my uh FTP was 254 uh based off of the the ramp test that we did. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'll just push down to like 260 in the flat sections and then when I get to the climb, I'll go up to around 315 or so, which I ended up doing, but uh I reeled it back in and I honestly probably reeled it back in a little too hard not mm-hmm. because So there's the, if you go out too hard, most commonly we think of the, the result is just a catastrophic blow up. And then you can't hold the, just a steady
2: decline over the course of the TT.
0: Yep. Um, but in this case, what happened is that I, I reeled it back probably a little too much because I was afraid that would happen. And then I finished it, and I was like, eh, you know, I probably could have gone a little more.
1: Maybe. So it's just a, it's it's a tricky thing. It's a skill to learn, right? Like it totally it's is pacing is a skill, and it's something you should practice in training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then every time, I think uh, Chris Froome's uh, one of his latest books. Yep. Yeah. He's got a way. Did you look that up, Chad? Yeah. Almost ten,
2: ten percent. He dedicates ten percent of the distance, or mm. it is a distance. Yeah, the distance of the time trial to settling in below threshold before he ramps up to threshold below his target. Because if it's like, like a... He said threshold. We're, really below threshold.
0: Mm-hmm. It's pro- mm-hmm. probably contingent, I would assume, on the... on the Like if it's, if it's like a prologue, a prologue or something. Yeah. I don't know. It yeah. might or be hard.
2: threshold. He might not o- want to overwhelm himself with lactic accumulation and... and Interesting. Yeah. So for
1: this race, like for Jonathan, he would have started out like 26 watts below his threshold to start for... Mm-hmm. 10% of he the distance. He didn't quantify
2: it. He just, well, he, he, no, he didn't quantify it. He just said below threshold. Okay. 10% of the course of distance. The so oh, okay. it's
1: 40, 40K, then four kilometers is
2: spent below threshold before he settles into threshold pace or, or target yeah. pace. Interesting.
1: I like that strategy of starting it. just right below, like even have a lower target. Because whenever I start a TT, I might have a number in mind, let's say 250. And then I start <clears throat> it and for the first minute I'm like that was the wrong number 280 is the right number (laughs) right because this feels so easy
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah. where were you with that advice Chris From could have been at the start line telling me what to do Um, it's it's sensible it's perfectly sensible and it's so let's, I think I probably, I, yeah. And, and to your point though, I think that if I had paced it or more effectively, I'm sure that I could have had a better result. learning, right? Yeah, totally. Um, that's, that's, and that's, what's great about these time trials that you can have these races leading up to these things. This is where you really put things to the test in those scenarios and
2: you learn about your why you do
1: practice you events. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how could you, um, what about staying arrow and there's like potholes and stuff on this yeah. race and you can go when you're going 40 and you hit a pothole should, on a TT bike with your hands crossed, should we bounce back and forth between a couple of us rather than saving? all my information because there's yeah, a lot let do it. a lot of spots well, okay let's start with you then chad yeah, let's do it <clears throat> chad your race you actually paced extremely well kind of like you've done this a few times before <laughs>
2: yeah I've, I've always been good at pacing
1: yeah. um your normalized power was what was it um 322 mm-hmm. and your average mm-hmm. power was 320 yeah Mm-hmm. And that was a good deep effort for you, right? It is is very deep. It was a hard day. So you were like sixty watts higher than Jonathan. Yeah, which is good job. It's quite a lot. Yeah, that, it's the, quite a disparity. Yeah, between quite the two a of lot. us. Yeah. Um, and what was your setup?
2: Your um, so so I have basically everything I'm going to use. I'm on the, the giant Trinity. I have uh, the stock bars with mm-hmm. the risers way up. Um, so nothing has changed since the velodrome. Uh, on the your MP. helmet. The helmet, however, I did go to the uh, Giro Arrowhead mm-hmm. and and it was all good and fine and I, I went out to try it out. So first day with the new Arrow helmet, go out to try it out and I can't see anything. I come back, Pete shows me how to properly situate this particular helmet and maybe every time trial helmet, which means I've never worn one properly. And such that I can see in my arrow position. And seriously, it was, it was like a yarmulke. I had it so high on my head. <laughs> it looked hilarious. When I stood up and talked to people, nobody could look at me without laughing. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Is that but st- in position, it was oh, perfect. St- I had this terrific view. It was still not quite right. I had to break position a number of times to see other riders. Um, a pothole would throw me. The turn was a bit challenging. Um, so it's not exactly right but i think that's my helmet
0: did it did it push into your back or shoulders at all
2: no problems there i just had it cinched too tightly so it gave me a, a headache that kind of escalated over the course of the tt
1: one thing i worry about is if you go too far back i don't want to um, prevent the the like if you land on your face there's that there, the, it wasn't back too far
2: It's kind of not a concern seriously I, I, I at that point they're not really even worn for protection I, it's, <laughs> it's like it's like a mandatory requirement yeah. And and you need to be able to see and be arrow. And I don't think those those things lend themselves to crash protection.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly kind of agree with that. Like with these TT helmets, I'm not saying that's the right thing, but I'm saying that like that's what you get with a lot of these helmets is that they're optimized in a wind tunnel. They're not optimized in a crash scenario.
1: It seems like they should be. Uh they should design it so that instead of rolling it back on your head just the tail gets folded like really low something like that right but I am not I do push up a little bit but not so much that I want to like you look back at your life you're like Oh, I crashed and hurt my brain yes. or I lost no, it's, 10 seconds on it. It's PT. one of those
2: decisions you make in the moment and you don't give it a whole lot of thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So would you yeah. recommend everyone to put their helmets back that far? <laughs> yeah. I absolutely will not make that recommendation. I will say it's more aerodynamic. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't have gloves. I had basically blue hands instead. And then I <laughs> so cold. didn't have, do did I have shoe covers? I did, I used your uh, Simon Smart, Smart, the smart ones. Mm -hmm. I used those, Um, didn't have a wax chain. In fact, my chain's rather gummy. So Mm. that that will make a difference. I'm gonna gonna wax it. That's gonna help substantially, I think. Um, Didn't have, I had a zip disc in the rear. So, I didn't have our NV discs. Those haven't arrived for the two of us just
0: mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. <laughs> Nate's giving him a stern look. You're not supposed to say that. If You're you, if that. you oh. look on the internet, I'm sure you can see Dimension Data using them too. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, we'll probably have to cut that okay. out of the, uh, cut podcast. Out of the, the totally live people here. Sorry. Totally fine. Yeah.
2: Um, and then my front wheel was our the wheel we are going to use in the TT. Yes. I don't know if I can exactly talk about that correct. one either. That <laughs> one we can talk about. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Victoria, hey, course, speed. Yeah, and I didn't – so the front tire was the one I'm going to use in the race. The rear
1: tire was uh, 3,000 GP. Okay. So,
0: or 4,000.
1: Yeah. For, yeah, yeah, what, Connor, I mean, just yeah. Okay, let's talk about – <laughs> Let's talk about – soup. This is one thing that you talked about that you didn't do well was the warm-up and a cold. Yep. So – so my Let's biggest hindrance,
2: this. my biggest hindrance over the course or uh, for this TT was the fact that it was kind of a chilly day. Mm-hmm. And I, I bundled up a bit. I wore a fairly heavy jacket, should have worn knee warmer, should have wore gloves, should have really bundled up for the for the warm up so that I didn't rush it, which is what I did. So I had a 40 minute warm up planned, which is what I know I need. And I ended up truncating it to about 20 minutes. And that caused me to suffer quite a bit going out so where I went out at a, at a pace that was reasonable had I been warm mm-hmm. it wasn't warm so it felt really difficult and it kind of got in my head over the first 5 8 minutes of that TT. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. You, looking at your pacing it looks like you
0: went harder. So this is like a big question that a lot of people have like should I go harder on the climbs? <clears throat> yeah, this is um, an interesting point. Yeah, how did you like cuz that's something that I believe that so I I because of Best Bike Split saw that and and did that but I feel like that's something that you inherently knew on this course. Yeah, so I looked
2: at I looked at my power meter um, to start the timer, and then I looked at my power meter to stop the timer. Legitimately, that's the only time I looked at that. You did use your power meter to pace. I didn't have power displayed. I had time and distance displayed. Yeah,
0: You I'm, are, I'm you are to... team Chad right there. That that's is incredible. crazy because <laughs> his pacing is really
1: smooth. Your pacing is so smooth. <laughs> I know what it feels like, and I know that the hill's going to hurt. Shoot. That, <laughs> I, that is amazing. I, gotta, like, <laughs> I say you take – because just for everyone else listening, if, I, if we probably took 100 riders, probably 98 of you would go out really hard and then fade. You, you wouldn't be able to do what, it. yeah, like nothing make resembling it. this. Yeah. Um, and it's not that we
2: add. Yeah. Like it. I said, that's it's been a strength of mine.
0: And that's an idea, So, and this is a really cool thing. So, if you, I, I assume that that's just come from a lot of experience and, and discipline on yeah, doing. I'd that, like right? to pin
2: it down to that, but no, I, I've just done it that way forever. I, I just. For whatever reason, that works for me. But yeah, that, <coughs> like uh, that I said, experience a
0: is like added up. I'm sure absolutely, and you yeah, have that dialed in because you know your power meter goes out on TT day, and if you're pre- purely reliant on that, um, you know, then that could be bad. I will say that if you train with power a lot very regularly, especially doing structured interval Mm -hmm. work.
1: You get better.
2: You become really
0: calibrated. this is what I
1: was
2: talking about with our Leadville discussion last week. So I'm not saying uh, I will never say that the metrics aren't useful, but the metrics are always to inform perceived exertion. Exactly. Because it won't always be there. And you need to understand what your body can do without the numbers swaying you otherwise. Totally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then how did you do with turtling and all that kind of stuff?
2: Um, Pretty well. So, So once I got the helmet adjusted on me and started to feel okay with what my narrow range of view was going to be. Um, Everything fell more into place, but like I said, I still had to come out of position to to pass riders to deal with uh, little issues with the road, the turn. um, There's a fast turn coming out of the little climbs. So there were, I probably broke position 20 times. It oh, was just wow. a quick little pop-up and then back down. Okay. But it's still, still in, disruptive. Were you still in, in the, the air extensions?
0: Bars? But just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so when you say break position, are you talking about break like up. not being turtling? Yeah. Basically. Yeah.
2: So otherwise my head's down and it's I, I would like to see. I, I need photos. I I think even with my back. But when I come up, then it's not even with my back. Okay. And then that whole hysteresis thing that we learned about where you break position, you may not actually recapture that the same level of aerodynamics. <laughs> yeah. and it's really in my head. And especially <laughs> with something like that. Yeah. So I very much do not I want to pop up over the course of our 40 K TT. So I got to dial that helmet fit. I guess the one spot where you
0: came out of your extensions, I assume is the turn, but that's it, right? I
2: did. And they had it marked really early. So I came out preparing for the turn then notice it was still quite a ways up the road, got back down into position, pushed a lo- little longer, came out of position again. So I basically mm. turned twice. <laughs> okay. So or prepped for the turn
1: twice. Do you guys want to say anything before I say the final results?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> okay. for sighting, for me. So, um, I, especially on a short time trial like this, you know, you can put yourself into a pretty terrible position for 17 minutes and you can
2: manage it. It's funny that you use that term though, Sighting because it's like swimming in a triathlon where you have to bob your head up and look for the buoy and then put it back down Mm -hmm, as equivalent to what I was doing.
0: Yeah. And, and this course has a white line all the way around it. Like there's painted lines on the road. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not like a rural road that doesn't have that. So I use that as my guide. It's not a pristine
2: road though. That roped you into some pretty hairy situations. (laughs) It did.
0: Yeah. And that's one thing that I wanted to say is, uh, citing like reconning a course in detail on a time trial is something I will do now. I will pick my race line and I will follow Mm -hmm. that. I don't think the 40 K course, it has white lines. I don't believe it does on all the roads uh, because some of them are kind of like a uh, country roads almost, yeah, you know, it does. So, um, but in this case, I just followed the white line, but there were a number of spots where it had been the pavement. It seems like it had been like another cap of pavement had been put over and then it chipped away. And, you know, I, in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, keep your head, you know, back kind of tucked into your body and low. And I'm like trying to analyze to make sure that I'm being as arrow as possible. Meanwhile, I'm hitting these huge, you know, potholes Scary. and I'm thinking like, and, and
2: little ruts that would steer you.
0: Yeah. And I'm thinking about that. Just like that's causing so much drag, yeah, <laughs> like that's know, causing, that sure. making me so slow. Um, so it's, it's something that, you know, on these time trials, even though this seems extremely nerdy, I want to ride that course in a slow pace, just analyzing and looking at my race line the whole time, then taking note of spots to see if like, okay, when I get to this position or to this point in the course, I might want to deviate from that white line. It's not, not
2: nerdy. That's proper race prep.
0: Yep. And like you said, uh, to your point of it being scary, like it's, it could be extremely dangerous. So it's something that if you do that, I feel like it's a responsible thing to do. Um and it's something that I learned I, I tried to keep my head down quite a lot. I did start to kind of roll and move quite a lot towards sure. the end. Um okay. and I I want to cut that bit. back. Cuz apparently sorry, one thing. I'm so excited. <laughs> cool your jets. Um <laughs> but the one thing on this is uh that actually I've read, I don't know the data behind this, but I've read that when you toss and turn and move your body around, you're just that growing causes, your frontal area. yeah, it causes a large amount of drag yeah. and a lot of it is because what happens kind of like what you were talking about is it disrupts the way the air is flowing over you. So then that changes for a period of time and it might take a while for that air, or it might never happen for that air to flow over you in a smooth manner like it was before. So it takes some, so it's not just that there's the frontal area aspect and you're disrupting the way the air flows over you. So staying really really still, like Chad's Chad's so still in his position,
1: that's something that really, really helps. Yeah. So. Okay, this is what I'm so excited about. Alright, here we go. It was close. This this very, okay, very let me just say close. the the power again. Uh, <clears throat> Chad, 322, Jonathan, 260. If you would say that are normal people, you'd be like, I think I crushed him. Crushed him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Jonathan has a world-class CDA, which is the aerodynamic <laughs> track, how slippery is. Yes, <laughs> yes. Worked hard for that. Jonathan's yeah. time. Yeah. Seventeen twenty six. Yes. Chad's time, seventeen twenty three. Oh a three second difference (laughs) crazy between the two of you guys. It's like you planned it. You guys (laughs) are making (laughs) This such a dramatic race <laughs> for second place. Yeah. And, oh, like oh, oh. No, just kidding. It was a <laughs> really good performance. Yeah. You guys both went over twenty-seven miles per hour with the like a big steep hill.
2: And
0: it's worth saying too
2: that there's a couple. He, that
0: they're yeah. finishing set yeah. hills too. Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. it's worth saying too that Chad and I did not go uh, you know, I think that we were probably about ten to fifteen minutes apart. So like Chad wasn't my thirty-second guy. I wasn't his. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. we were separated. I didn't really know what Chad was doing. Nothing was based off of that. When I saw these results.
1: I was amazed like how close you guys were because right. you think about it too and we talked about this but after a race like that Jonathan, could you have done something to save three seconds? Oh, I'm sure. Could oh, yeah, you have yeah. done something to gain three seconds? Yeah. Better warm up, right? A lot of things. And you think about all those things you can do so yeah. next time and we do yeah. have another TT Cold Springs t- time trial yeah. before um, a 40K TT but right now I would argue Chad is ahead of you just because Oh, yeah. The Satley is flat. But if, I mean,
0: I, if, yeah, if, if I, there was any time trial where I would have had a relative advantage, I feel like this
2: would be one. I think this is the course for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I, I, I'm a little better suited to cold springs than you are. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think I'm better suited to a flat time trial, like Satley or Loyalton. And but
0: I would say, and I don't know, this is for sure the case, but I'd also say that a short time trial would relatively perhaps be more in my wheelhouse than like a long time trial.
2: For sure. You know? I, I, I think so. Yeah, Based on, I mean, what we've seen with, with your lactate profile and, and mm-hmm. the sort of races you excel in and compare. Pete, in I, I think
1: that stands to strong reason. Jonathan also paced very poorly. I think if yeah. he could have done the whole thing, probably eight watts higher, yeah, and or ten watts higher. Yeah, but
2: right? I mean, you look at that discrepancy. I mean, I had to do sixty more watts of work for basically the same time. It's and crazy, part of that. Right? So we're unfair. thinking,
1: um, based on our aerodynamic drag results, mm-hmm. um, forty watts makes sense between the two of you guys, mm-hmm. and the other twenty we're thinking is at least I'm thinking is the climb and the wax chain. Sure. The, those two together. Yeah, and I, yeah, I
0: would. I would add perhaps a lot to the wheel and tire too. Oh yeah. I think. Oh yeah. That, you, didn't, okay. you
1: didn't have the sure, GP, yeah. or you had. You didn't
2: have the Vittoria. But I think a, that, yeah. a couple things worth mm-hmm. considering here. Um, one, my threshold I think is probably right around three hundred and ten right now. Optimistically, three hundred and fifteen. Wow. So I rode above threshold. Jonathan's is 290-ish. two hundred and Well, on the TT bike, I tested at two hundred and fifty-four. No, 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 let's just say FTP. What Two hundred and ninety-four. Yeah. So so you were substantially below FTP. Yes. So I'm already riding. Basically at my FTP or above it for a shorter effort, which mm-hmm. makes sense. And I'll tell you right now, I can take that and extend that twenty-ish minute effort out to fifty whatever minutes. Yeah, I know yeah. I can. So does that mean
0: that's an interesting point? I hadn't thought of that. Does that mean that I have like a? I guess I have a higher ceiling where I can improve. Yeah,
2: you could. Yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. I still think I can go up a bit. I don't think I'm mm-hmm. going to go up a whole lot. And I do. I mean, I don't want to let the wind out of anybody's sails, at least to which mine, I don't think a 50 minute is realistic, yeah. but I'm still entertaining hopes. I, I feel I, maybe I go out there and I have just the best day ever. And I get us up.
1: The wind day. goes one way and then <laughs> turn around to the wind chains me. and it goes it's the other like, way. Let's yeah. just change this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real but quick, mathematically. Yeah, it doesn't stack up. Let's go over the other pod P, podcast people who have been on here. Pete cool. was out there with <clears throat> aerobars, aerobike, 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 not not aero, aero bars, yes. aero road bike, aero helmet, aero road bike. He did, um, 332 Watts. And he did an eighteen sixteen. Yeah. So he was a good forty five seconds slower than you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, he was
0: my thirty second man. I caught him. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And what's surprising there is he didn't do a heck of a lot more power than us. So yep. I, I expected him to lay down the watts. So for whatever reason, and again, maybe well, it's,
1: it's being in air position, right? Like it's it's hard to put it's out watts.
2: That's yep. part of it. I don't know how how different his. Uh, those arrow bars are with his normal invisible
1: arrow bars. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That he kind of like hangs over.
1: And then Dave Christensen, who is excellent, and we all think is going to beat us. He won the TT at seventeen oh four. He did two ninety three. Yes, which we still think uh, he should have gone faster for his watts. Yeah, and we got to look at he he hasn't gone to the aerodynamic lengths that we have. Yeah, um, and we can try to improve him on that. But uh, only beat you guys by twenty seconds. And which is pretty crazy because Dave usually beats n- us yeah. by a lot more. Yeah. Ni- 19. 19 seconds?
2: Okay, <laughs> just, just, so, just get it right. A second matters. And it's worth
0: pointing out, like you said, that, that that's when he had that, that breathing scare. He
2: did. He popped out of position. I mean, like out of position, sat up yep. for a second, okay. but it was only for a couple seconds. Yep. So, you know, maybe that hindered him. He could have been a, a sub-17 guy that day. So, yep. so we're still within striking distance of Dave, which is really encouraging because yeah. he's a fast boy.
0: So that's the TT, but oh, we have so a whole bunch of racing coming up now, like a bunch of racing this, uh, coming week is there was a criterium this week, uh, which was tons of fun. And then next week there's a Merck's TT, which means that we can't use an, a TT helmet, you can use an Aero road helmet though. You can't use wheels deeper than 40 millimeters. And then you get a five minute penalty per violation if you don't do that. So like shoe covers would be a five minute penalty. Um, <laughs> if you had your, if you have a TT helmet, five minute penalty, if you have a TT bike, five minute penalty, Five per violation, per violation. Oh, that's really, yeah, that was clear. That, that shoots down days. Cause explain. we were thinking about like, maybe it's worth taking the five minutes and just going full arrow, but, yeah. um, and this one's on a very hilly course. It's a road race course actually. And it's just an individual TT. And then we have the Sagan Fondo. We have lost and found, we have Carson city off road. We have
1: the 40 k TT. so Many things yep there's actually 12 races between <laughs> now and the and the tt coming up that we're planning to do yeah
2: very very different from from what we're p- training for too
1: so, we before we go, into, go that. into that yeah okay yeah um, you have something else just so everyone knows top, the winner of that tt was uh dave, dave. dave second place was chad third place was jonathan jonathan Me.
0: fourth place was pete no fifth place was pete fifth place there's uh, a trainer road user that's going to kill it at um at st george uh, who was also, he was the one that ended
1: up getting fourth. Um, no, not Zach. Well, I'll say uh, that limit. Trainer Road people got the top four then. Yeah, we did. Because that is amazing. So good job. Got top five. Top five. Top five. Yeah. Very exactly. good. Out of, I think, 40, 45 riders, yeah. somewhere yeah. around
0: there. Yeah. So
1: it was pretty congrats, awesome. guys. I'm it's very good proud. First. Yes. Uh, I hope you guys can even do more power and make us really close. Because yeah. if, if the 40KT comes out where it's three seconds between you guys, that will be. That, that it's is just, drama. yeah, that's a lot of drama. That's yeah. pretty
2: sweet stuff. It's a big disappointment yeah. for the guys who are three seconds down too.
1: <laughs> but we'll, it will be. Won't you, Chad?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So, uh, let's how, go back to the racing. How do we races. manage all this? Yes. How do we races? So if put your, let's, let's ask Chad, <clears throat> Jonathan and I, we both want to do well at the 40 KTT, mm-hmm. but we also want to do well at Carson city, lost and found. Sagan Fondo, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, and then I the well, there's the Tuesday night races. I don't really care about. I should like, say Sagan Fondo is
2: pretty low priority for me okay. in terms of like a result.
1: Okay. Yeah. But it's also,
2: so for those who don't know, our, our time trial was supposed to be what, about five weeks from now, four weeks from now? Yeah. And it got bumped back an entire month. So we now, we now have another four weeks of training mm-hmm. to slot into our plans, mm-hmm. which is not ideal, but mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're rolling with it. We didn't commit ourselves to that that date because we weren't sure of it. So we kind of expected that it might move. I didn't anticipate it to move four weeks, which it's basically means we're nine weeks out from competition. honestly don't know if I can hold my focus that long. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's oh. my big concern right now. Oh,
1: Team chat's talking is going to crack, no, no, no. crack in the wall I, I just think i want to play more i don't, sell, think, I can to, <laughs> I don't think i can dedicate myself to strictly <laughs> the time trial training for another nine weeks well but. luckily we have so many racing so what what do you recommend like if you're coaching jonathan and i and be real now. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah would, <laughs> don't, don't give us bad <laughs> advice. What would you say we should do? So Jonathan, probably Jonathan and I, Lost and Founder is a big one. Carson City off is a big one. Yeah. That one I really TT. want to do well at, Carson yeah, City off Yeah, and, and Off-Road. those things time out quite well.
2: They, they, they leave you, I think, at, at the minimum two weeks before. So, yeah. Maybe, there's no problem there. I think you're going to have to be a little more choosy with all the other races you have. If you're racing all the time and and this isn't a, you've built your peak fitness and you're happy with it. And now you're just going to race and try to stay fit. You're still trying to build fitness. So you Mm -hmm. still have to be selective about which workouts you do, which races you do. Mm -hmm. So some of those are going to have to either be deprioritized or skipped entirely.
1: Uh What? So could so the Tuesday night races, which are we have a great race series here, and every Tuesday night there's a different kind of race: crits and road races, mm-hmm, and the, the yeah. Merck's TT. Mm-hmm. On those, are you thinking we should skip those, or should we?
2: No, I mean you can make. We've talked about shaping races into you know something th- that simulates or comes close to the demands of your your workout scripted for you, mm-hmm. and, and you can do that. Um, and maybe it's entirely different, but it's still stressful and it still spurs adaptation. So yeah. that's good. I mean, the crit mm-hmm. we did Tuesday night, there's very much, there's almost nothing about that that bears a resemblance to what <laughs> we need to do at the 40KTT. <laughs> For yeah. mm-hmm. But it still will give us both a bump in fitness. Jonathan yeah. and I were the ones who did it. Yep. And because it was hard and we went hard again and again and again. And it was a hugely aerobic effort because we never got to recover. And and we were challenging ourselves in ways that you know we're not super familiar with or good at right now. Mm-hmm. Not as good as we can be. And it was just a different stimulus for for adaptation. I mean, we'll get some sort of bump out of it. And we can, over time, especially considering we have nine weeks, translate that bump in fitness to something that's usable in a 40K TT.
0: Something interesting to add to this. So uh, Lost and Found is much more... Friendly this year in terms of the course. It's not as technical, not as crazy rough. Uh, I assume that your power profile will probably be more stable this year than it would have been in the last year with all the snow we had. That's good news. Carson City off road, very much also very similar in that respect in the sense that we're going to have much more stable climbs. So, (laughs) in one respect, the events that we're doing, although different you know, disciplines, those, those, at least those two ones are actually going to play to really building up strength for sustained power. So, yeah. uh, especially Carson city off road with the new course they have there. I
2: mean, those events so. serve really well, even though they don't look anything like a 40 K TT serve really well as practice events, get out there and pace and push yourself in ways very similar to what you're going to have to do during the time trial.
1: So yeah. going back to those Tuesday night races, the, the crit, by the way, um, I had a family obligation and Pete had a family obligation. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get to do the whole no. challenge. Which, thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But do um, they
0: lose by de- did he lose by default, Pete? No, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna no, give have. him a pass.
1: <laughs> so um, could just to go back to your point, could on those races, you know, we've we've heard from all the Cliff Bar people the point of a crit is to win but put out the least amount of power. But for these, when we're doing them, could we Potentially go off the front yeah, see, that's and try to hammer it for 10 minutes and get back in.
2: of a training race. And these are definitely training races. You don't take it yes. before them. You don't really do anything different. You just slot in. You, you take out your Tuesday workout and you put it in a Tuesday race in mm-hmm. our cases. Yep. So we're not we, – we don't go out there necessarily. I mean, we have this BP challenge thing going, sure. But we're not going out there to do anything but to get a, a legitimate workout. Yeah. yeah. We're not sitting in the whole time hiding, waiting for the final sprint because we're trying to mm-hmm. upgrade yeah. our, UCAC, our USAC license or um, – grab a prize, prize purse or something like that. We're yeah. out there to get a hard workout. Okay.
1: And then we, so we, we just have to also be okay with going into those races, like a little bit of fatigue too, right? Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. it's cause it's a training race. Totally. Yep. 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 I think uh, we get this question. I bring this up cause we get this totally. question all the time, yes. right? All the time. Yeah.
2: Be and, clear. It's that, it's that ABC prioritization. If you don't want to look at it through that lens or that be that specific about it, it's just a question of you know, what, am, what do I need to get out of this race? I mean, and is it, is it, is it training or, or am I chasing results?
0: And for the, those, the competitive nature, I actually find it really useful to prioritize my races because <laughs> then I know where to place that because a lot of the time we go into a race and if you don't have a clear objective every time, and if your clear objective is to win every time and you have a chance at that, sure. I it get
2: your it. objective every but time it's though. not
0: going to happen. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to go into these races and to have different objectives so then I can compartmentalize that and kind of save up a lot of that competitive energy and focus I feel so then I don't discourage myself with these little events so then I arrive at the big <laughs> event. And and I'm, you know, I'm not. Well, they, not they serve as a eating.
2: good gauge of, of your fitness too in mm-hmm. an actual race situation because it doesn't matter if it's a local race or a, a national championship. You you're out there, the competitive juices are flowing, and you bury
1: yourself. I mean, there's an example too for objectives when we all get together try to beat Pete. I would love to work at the front, try to shut down Pete's attacks and set Dave up. So yeah. just workhorse the whole time, be on the front, yeah. so that so Dave who might wanna win this race and is totally capable of doing it mm-hmm. i can deliver him better and that would then we would win the bp challenge yeah, exactly <laughs> right that's like a it's yep. cool though you don't win but you can work for your teammates which is kind of fun and you get a great workout um and you don't have to like taper or, yeah. care, right? Yeah.
2: Again, we're playing with it. It's, it's a training race yeah. just because we're being competitive about it and we're working on race strategy. doesn't change the fact that it is still just a training race. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. This is so exciting. It's going to be fun. It
0: yeah. is. It is going to be good. Uh, shall we jump into the questions? Okay. About <laughs> time. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one actually came from, from Reddit, a uh, discussion that was going on there.
1: Yeah. So there's a, we have a sub, we have somebody, a user created a uh, subreddit on Reddit. Reddit's like a kind of like a forum, internet forum. And if it's mm-hmm. Reddit, Dot com slash r slash trainer road.
0: Yep. Uh, so he says, okay, so this is something I've been thinking about in a recent trainer road podcast, the guys were discussing matches. And if you want to go back, that was, uh, geez, two podcasts previous to the current one you're listening to. Um, and it seemed that they were generally saying that you shouldn't think of it that way, unless you're training for a very specific event. Instead, you should just keep focusing on raising your FTP so that your target watts are a lower percentage of FTP. So I just wanna, the gist of it. Yeah, I just want to recap really quick. When we're talking about matches, the the, the general, uh, I guess, uh, understanding that a lot of people have, whether it's correct or not, is that you have a limited, you have a book of matches, so to speak. And those matches are those hard efforts that you're really giving it everything, and you only have so many
2: of them. Yeah, you can call those your your anaerobic work capacity, whatever you want to call it. Those are the... the so super threshold end of things. Whereas FTP is basically your aerobic capacity. I mean, yep. it, you're just your sustainable percentage of what your aerobic system is capable of.
0: Perfect. He says, it got me thinking, or that got me thinking about your maximal lactate steady state and the physiology around these things. I'm doing some long races in the range of 200 to 250 miles. Holy cow. That's really long.
1: That's very, very, very long. Yeah.
0: That's like, did you hear the dirty Kansas has a 300 and something mile option this year?
1: I saw that. What are we doing it? Oh no,
0: gosh, no. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. Never. That will get edited out of the for podcast sure right there. That's coming out in post. He says, so I'm mostly working on raising my FTP so that I can hold 65 to 75% for a really long period of time. I think that's a lofty range. He says, yeah, it does sound pretty high, right? It does. He says, I like the simplicity of the Id- or in the idea of if your FTP goes up, therefore 65 to 75% of your FTP also goes up. Therefore I go faster. Yeah. I'm wondering what the practical and theoretical differences are when you're running those kind of percentages of FTP. One that is obvious is that I'll burn more calories per hour. And while I'm unlikely to burn, to run out of fat, that'll cut into glycogen or whatever food I can stomach faster. What other differences are there though? I guess what I'm wondering is other than going faster, what's the difference between 75% of FTP when well-trained and FTP is high versus 75% of FTP when less trained and FTP is lower.
2: And so first off, I wouldn't even look at it in terms of being well-trained or low tra- or uh, poorly trained. Mm-hmm. Simply look at it as what's your FTP. That's the amount of work you're doing. That's the amount of fuel your body needs to, or there's an, a specific amount of fuel that your body needs to actually fuel that much work. Mm-hmm. So just look at it as a number. You know, 200 watts isn't going to take as much energy as 300 watts. So the higher it is, you know, the, the, the greater your work capacity and the more nutrition you're going to need. And um, just to backtrack a little, you say 65 to 75, and I don't know if you're the sort of... Uh, you know, person who stares at your stem the entire ride and you're gonna try to target that sixty five to seventy five percent range. But I would experiment with that over rides that long because that seems high to me. Yeah, that'd be pretty hard. Sixty five, I think, would be the high end of things. I'd be looking at more like fifty five to sixty five. But you know, it's perhaps we're lesser men in this case. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and perhaps maybe. Maybe you're actually really good at sustaining seventy percent and you can sit there all day. Yeah. I can't, I don't know too many athletes who can. Not for something that lasts two hundred and fifty miles. That's Whew. a long, a long, long distance. Yeah. But anyway See it in terms of how much work you're doing and, and tie your nutrition to that. We're not talking about nutrition here, but tie your expectations to that. Um, and this does give me an opportunity to clarify one thing that I've so tried to get to and just for whatever reason get sidetracked. Um, I know a while back I referred to the difference between capacity and power, and I got it exactly backwards. And I've tried to remedy this, and then just never, the right time never comes up. So I'm going to make it right now. Um, when we talk about power versus capacity, power is typically peak for whatever that duration is. So if it's three minute power, it's your three minute mean maximal power, your peak power that you can do for three minutes. Whereas your capacity is the endurance end of things. How many times can you repeat two minutes efforts at that three minute Mm -hmm. peak power? How many times can you maybe repeat that three minute effort? That's, that's the endurance end of things. So if you Mm kind of think capacity, endurance, power, peak capabilities. Hopefully that clarifies because I think I confused that issue a while back.
1: And sometimes that's where, in specialty phase, we're trying to increase capacity, the ability to do that many, many times. And you might not be increasing your FTP, but the the amount of times for a crit racer that can do a (laughs) two-minute effort goes up a whole bunch. Perfect point. Yep. Therefore, you're faster. Yep. Very well done, Nate. Hey, thanks. Yeah, that was great. I pay attention.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, something else going to this though, like uh, some people operate at seventy five percent of FTP. Mm-hmm. They, they might different things are happening in different people's yeah, bodies. Yeah, so perhaps, so I.
2: Right? I, I put it down to metabolic inclination. Okay. So, so you can have a system that, that works really well off of, off of fat. You don't have to be fat adapted. You can just have a really high aerobic capacity that metabolizes fat quite well because you train that way, because you nourish yourself that way. Um, the Diet obviously impacts it vastly. So maybe you're a guy who sitting at 75% can do that for long periods of time. And you need hardly any exogenous carbohydrate. You don't have to eat nearly anything. Mm-hmm. And you can perpetuate that for maybe 250 miles. Other riders aren't that uh, fat adapter or fat inclined and they have to eat quite a lot. So over a 250 mile ride, which what that's going to take 10, 12 hours, 14, 16. I mean, who knows you could be basically outpacing your ability to keep up If you ride at 75%, you can't get enough food in the system to actually power yourself for that long at that uh, work rate.
0: Because there's the type of thing like uh, if you're the type of person that has to take in a lot of food like that, uh, if you have a sensitive stomach or even just like if you're a person that's putting out 75% of FTP just happens to be like somewhere around, I don't know, let's say like, you know, 300 watts or something like that. That's a lot. That's a big fire that's burning. So you have to take in
1: a lot of depending to that point. Could. Remember, we talked to, um, uh, Oh, I just had his name Blank in yeah, his Ms. name Gerald no uh Matt Lieto. ah yes uh and he oh, FTP of like 370 380 and he was taking four to five hundred calories an hour on the bike yeah I would argue that if his FTP was 200 he like four to five hundred would be way too much for him yeah right exactly like, yep. so that's one of the questions is as you get as you have a higher FTP all depending on what you just said about how aerobic and glycolytic you are yeah. um you have to eat more Yep.
2: Like, yeah, I mean, more work requires more energy and more yeah. energy
1: in to yield more energy
2: out. And something that's interesting
0: out. with this, like you can go and get that tested and you can find out what all of that is. But I honestly find that the best way to figure that out is through trial and error of testing yourself in, in riding, going out and riding yeah, and seeing what
2: you need. You don't go blind into a 250-mile day oh. or 200-mile day for that matter. Um, yeah. And then the, another concern would be thermal regulation. So that, that, that between uh, – It does come down to the size of the rider too, but we don't need to muddy the waters with that just now. Um, more work means more heat stress. Yep. And if you can't dissipate that heat, if, you can't, if you're not adjusted to dealing with that heat, if you get thrown into a situation that's hotter than you were prepared for, as we did with Carson Off-Road last year, um, mm-hmm. a lot of concerns arise. You do a lot of work, you generate a lot of heat, you gotta be able to offload a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. A lot of ways to do that. Um, ideally, you acclimatize and you're prepared for it. You do a lot of training, a lot of our aerobic adaptations facilitate cooling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but that's a big deal. So the higher your threshold goes, the better you need to be able to dissipate heat. And, and, and the more seriously, I think you have to take uh, the conditions on, on race day.
0: Oh yeah. Like I'm anticipate them. If this is like a hot race where you're doing like a cross, like state line type of a thing and you're in the Southwest. Oh my gosh. And big
2: riders don't, I mean, the, the larger the rider, I mean, like I said, rider size factors into it as well. So definitely don't go into race day blind in terms of conditions. If, if in any
1: way you can prepare yourself for, for the temperature, please do so. The other thing to think about, especially in epic races like this, is a higher FTP means a shorter race, yeah. and, like, significantly. Yeah. You think, I'll, I'll do some extremes here, but Ironman racing, pros can do it in eight to nine hours, and you have people doing it in 16, 17 hours. Yeah. Um,
2: or just think of the bike leg. Got guys yeah. doing 420s, 430s, and then other people doing seven, eight-hour bikes. Oh, Yes.
1: Yeah. And um, Boston Marathon, there was a waved, you know, it was, it was lots of waves, but still, you um, My wife was back showered and uh, in bed and we're watching people cross the finish line. And you just think, man, that is so hard. Like it it just makes the race so much harder. Mm -hmm. And for calories, you're probably eating the the same amount of total calories over the race when you're faster. Maybe a little bit more because you have more work to overcome because you're going faster with aerodynamic drag. But it's not like you're eating – 30% Thirty percent right, more. You're spending yeah, it,
0: more time out there. Is your point right? So you yeah, be when you're slow. And moment. what's exactly. interesting
1: about that is, is regardless, this is an interesting
2: note that I just came across. Uh, thanks to Greg Dumanois for for sending me this particular article. Um, that, that showed that rider size doesn't really affect how much the body can ingest. I mean, 60, mm. 60 grams per hour of a single sugar, you can up it to 90, maybe 100 grams with a combination of sugars. That mm. doesn't really, the body size doesn't affect that as much as you might think, hardly mm. at all, according to this particular paper. It's more wow. about work that
1: you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And, and individuals, like some people can take more than some other people or not? Like
2: 120 pound person versus 180 pound person, you still are, aren't gonna get more than 100 grams into the system with a combination of
1: sugars. Can you mm. get, I mean, couldn't like... Like, let's say there's two people that are 180, like me and you, both mm-hmm. 180, let's just call it 180, 180 pounds. Sure. And then, uh, <laughs> but could genetically one person be able to absorb more than the other person?
2: No, that's what I'm talking about. You
1: know, no. No, no. no it's, okay. it's
2: according to this particular research and it's it's uh, it's got a lot of the hitters, a lot of the guys who know what they're
1: talking about and spend a lot of time researching this very topic. Mm-hmm. No. The other thing, it's so much, uh, this happens to me a lot mm-hmm. where uh, and found example for last year. I get there, and other people have, like, eaten food. They've changed their clothes, and they're like, hey, Nate. Yeah, yeah. It's just so much fun. Like fitness is fun. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's it also to make all the races just shorter. It's and, nice. Uh, yeah.
0: It's nice to get her done. And it, yeah. The the last thing that I would mention, and especially if it's a hot race, but it's it's uh, hydration. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like
2: nutrition and hydration are going to be pivotal, and I think we've beaten nutrition to death or, or pretty pretty well by now. But uh, hydration, if you know you're a high sodium sweater, you know you're a guy who has a lot of salt stains, and um, dogs like licking your legs because there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of salt on your skin, sort of thing. Post ride, um, hyper hyperhydration is actually something I would definitely recommend looking into. Yep. Where you basically overdose your still well, not overdose, but very high dose of sodium. Uh, Scratch makes a product. Osmo makes a product. A lot of people make products that are very high in sodium. Going into an event like this, where you know you're going to deplete those sodium stores more rapidly. Mm-hmm. Cool. And yeah. It makes quite a difference, I'm oh, finding. It does make a pretty
0: massive difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. We experienced that
2: on our. Experiencing it right now. Last couple of months, so I've, I'm getting my hydration dialed, and man, is it making a difference across the board. Mm. Yeah, we definitely experienced that on that Rockwell relay
1: across
0: a hot, very windy team, southern Utah.
2: Team
1: Chat stock just went back
0: up a little. Bit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's volatile right <laughs> now. <laughs> volatile markets over here. Um, so, Daniel, uh, this is going to be the last question we'll cover here. And then, if you're with us on the live stream, stay with us. We'll answer uh, the questions that you've sent in uh, during throughout this live stream. We'll answer them thereafter. So, um, Daniel says. First of all, congratulations on your product and your podcast. Six stars for sure. He's breaking the star rules and I'm okay with that. He says, I had a question regarding power, weight, and height. We hear all the time that big guys can produce more raw power than a smaller guy. When we speak of bigger or smaller, are we talking just height or also weight? I understand that it's difficult to compare to riders natural ability to produce power, but in general terms, what a five foot, seven inch, 165 pound rider be at a disadvantage over a six foot, two inch, 165 pound rider. If both were equally conditioned. So for those that are using metric system and everything else, we're talking about really the point is same weight, but different height is what he's getting at and assuming equal conditioning. He says, "Would well, we expect that the bigger guy to produce And He says, in this case, taller to produce more power just because of his height. he says, I'm wondering if being short and stocky is a double whammy <laughs> asking for a friend, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, there. I mean, there's the metabolic side to this. Let's let's just leave that alone. Just talk about the the, the muscles, the muscle mass side of things. So, mm-hmm. whether it's a tall rider or a short rider, the more muscle mass is probably going to be capable of more work. Mm-hmm. So, if you look at it just just from that extent, um, more muscle does more work. I mean, you got a you got a big guy with a whole lot of muscle can can drive the watts up more than a guy who simply can only ask so much of the limited amount of muscle that's on his body. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to put it really simply, but then yeah. to get a little more detailed, there there you, you can look at your somatotype too, or your body type, and, and, and you know the whole mesomorph, ectomorph, and uh, endomorph, and you know mm-hmm. w- w- what your fiber type composition is, et, et cetera. And that that certainly makes this matter a bit more complex. But really, the the work capacity comes down to a question of how much muscle you have and how metabolically conditioned that muscle is. Mm-hmm. So it's not as simple as just saying a bigger rider is going to be more powerful in all cases.
1: We are a perfect example. Me and you. Yeah. Because we're like the same weight. Let's totally. say actually 185 maybe. Yeah,
2: we are like both right there. And how tall are you? So was Bryce. So we got three of us. Yeah.
1: How tall are you? 6'2". Six 6'2", two. Six two and I'm 6'6", six six mm-hmm. and you have way more muscle than me, right? Like like just look at us on the Chat live stream. Yeah. yeah, but I mean <laughs> at the same – it's not that you're carrying extra body fat. Sure. It's We probably have a very similar body fat, yeah. and it's just the, the muscle that you have more of. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that one of us is necessarily – no, no it other. doesn't.
2: And, and I mean, you have longer limbs too. So your muscles may not look as big, but they are stretched out over a longer point to point. Exactly. So muscle mass, you could have, we could have similar, more similar amounts than you account mm-hmm. for. But yeah, it, it's just not that simple. One thing though, and this is pretty much a side point, but it's very interesting. It, it brought to mind the fact that there is a two to one rule when it comes to really high caliber climbers Hmm. at the grand tour level and and just really any high level. And this is male climbers. We'll get to the female climbers briefly after, but they don't abide as as closely as the male climbers do that. That two to one rule says that the best climbers in in the world carry two pounds of body weight per inch of height.
0: Interesting. Didn't do
2: the metric conversions on that because it's just, I, I, I went down a rabbit hole and got just dug into this, looked at Froome, looked at Wiggins, Contador, Quintana, Port, Bardet, all different body types and sizes. And man, I would, I would be damned if it didn't work out in just about every case. Huh. And the only outliers were like a pound or two off of this two to one rule.
1: So can you can you say some of them with the famous? Climbers?
2: Yeah. So so like Chris Froome, six which at one hundred forty six, puts him at seventy three inches. Multiply that by two. That's one hundred forty six. He's so like exactly exactly, it. exactly there. Um, wow. Bok Molema, same thing. Um, 141, he's 142. Vincenzo Niboli, um, Nero Quintana, 5'6. He was a little on the low side because he weighs 128, and the equation said 132 would be his optimal weight. But if you can get lighter and still maintain your power, I mean, there are, but, but that's, that's the biggest exception. I mean, he mm. was four pounds outside of this, this rule. Um, Raphael Micah and Tom Dumoulin were, I think maybe five pounds outside of it, but everyone's very close women. Not so much. It doesn't carry to the women. Mm-hmm. I looked at Mara Abbott, Megan Garnier, Marianne Voss, Anna Vanderbreg and all them. It, it, it doesn't carry at all. What was interesting with them though, is that so many of them are right around five, four, 120 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. Five, six, 128 pounds. So let's just say f- five, six, 128 Within one inch and one pound of that, we have Marianne Voss, Anna and Lizzie Dangden, Emma Johansson, Lisa Longaborghini, Lucinda Brand. I mean, all the <laughs> best climbers are all right there. So maybe not the two-to-one rule, but they all conform very tightly yeah. to a narrow range of
1: height and weight. It shows that, and they've done lots of research, different sports, like at the elite level, mm-hmm. body types definitely matter. Sure. Runners, basketball oh, yeah. players. Oh, there are yeah. always outliers that yeah. like break the rule, right. but in general... There's a body type that has an advantage for yeah, each sport. And the outliers in this
2: case are so, I
1: mean, barely outliers. It's hard to even call them outliers.
2: I need to be
0: 140 pounds according to that.
1: So this, <laughs> for, uh, for Chad, you'd be 148, and I would be 156. <laughs> very, wait,
0: 148 for Chad?
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, and man. I'd be 156. In um, triathlon, Joe Friel has said this before, and he does 2.2 pounds, and that would put me at 171 and a half for travel I think I could get that I'd be really skinny but yeah, yeah. yeah and I'd, I'd Chad better. you would be Man,
0: that's crazy to think about I'm actually not that far off though on the two pounds what would yeah, I be you're
1: world class Jonathan <laughs> uh, Chad you'd be 163 yeah could So you get I, that? could you get that skinny
2: maybe yeah I got down to 168 and that's when I had my best stage races and best hill climbs there you go yeah by a lot. Wow. Substantially better than that. And what oh. was your
1: number
0: again? Uh, mine was 140 pounds is what it suggested. And right now this morning I was
1: 146. Oh, you're right there. So, so yeah, yeah. Jonathan, really looking you. forward to that hill climb. Time you're not trial. even like trying. <laughs> oh yeah. So we had the hill climb time trial in what? Two weeks, three weeks. That's, uh, that's
2: yeah, just nonsense nonsense. So. I think we can yeah. just sit here, do nonsense. the math and call it good. Well, no,
1: because what about me and you, Chad? <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> I, uh, yeah. uh well, if I, if I, the allergies hit, you'll destroy me, but that's true.
0: Yeah. With Nate's current, with Nate's current performance. I shouldn't yeah, say fitness well, it's, performance. It's so. Hope that the
2: pollen's high by then. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll find out ways to make that happen. Thanks everybody for joining us. Once again, if you're on the live stream, stick with us and we'll answer the questions you've submitted. If you're joining us on the podcast, thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk to you all again next week and yeah, remember, please uh, review the podcast and share it with your friends. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye.